to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Everybody. Welcome back and thanks for listening and making a commitment to your learning. We hope that you are doing well as we're heading into the end of 2022, which I, I still can't believe. Anyways, we're your hosts. I'm Yvonne Brandenburg and I'm joined by the lovely Jordan Porter. Hey girl. Hi. <laughs> How are you today? I'm sleepy, but it's only like I slept well last night, but like it's because I know I'm working at midnight Ugh. that like, well, and it doesn't help that it's rainy today. So it's like it's it's mm. like sleepy weather. It is sleepy weather. And like, I know that I have to be awake all night. So I'm just like, ah. yeah, I, ugh, I'm sorry you have to do that. Mm-hmm. See, see, I thought since you were out of a clinic, you wouldn't have to do the overnights anymore. Um, I think you need to talk to your boss, whoever does the schedule and say, um, no, thank you. Oh, wait, is that you? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was one of those things like we just didn't have coverage. (laughs) Like our, our overnight people are friends with the same people. So they're going to like, and they are, they live in London. So like for them, it's not overnight, but, um, they are going to the same like party together and then our other two overnight people, we need them on Sunday night. So it's like, it's just, it was one of those things. Oh. I'm like, technically it's only four hours before my normal shift. I should be okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the we'll sleeping see. during the day part that it's hard. If that's not your normal, it's no. it's just and not your normal. I'm really, really, really horrible about sleeping during the day. Like even when I was working like overnights mm-hmm. consistently, I just... I can sleep for maybe an hour and a half ish. My husband yeah. did buy me a Red Bull and it's like, it's one of those things like I'm so tired right now. And like, I really want it because I have stuff I need to get done, but I'm just like, ah, I can't Don't do it. Cause then you will not sleep at all. I, I won't sleep at all. And like, I'm trying to save it for when I get up at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, super fun. Yeah. What about you? Doing okay. It is raining here as well which is weird because it never like we haven't that. yeah it never rains here so that that's kind of weird um i yeah i was late to this recording because i was dealing with kittens we have kittens going crazy um yeah yeah well, I mean, to be fair, I was like, I was like going to the recording too, just because the dogs. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny because, so I don't know if we've talked about it, but uh, there's so many kittens right now in my yard that I'm dealing with. And I, dude, it's still like pandemic-y stuff that's hitting me because the all the like feral like clinics, Not, I wouldn't even say clinics feral like the low-cost spay and neuters Mm -hmm. a lot of them are still not open and i'm just like please open soon because i need to get this cat population under control because of like the kittens only two of them were boys the rest are all girls and i'm like we need to not i just picture you know that cartoon 
where it's like the mom cat just shooting out babies and it's like pew 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 like that's how I picture my backyard right now um and they're they're hilarious I love watching them um and I stole one of them because he was super friendly so I'll have to show you him at some point his name is Remy and he's gray and he's fuzzy and he's so stinking cute yeah I was like oh you have a great personality swoop so um he's swooped at the moment but yeah they just need to stop making more babies and uh yeah. i've reached out to a couple of places and i'm fine paying some money for them but i don't want to pay like three to four hundred dollars a cat when yeah, i have no. like 10 cats in my backyard and i really just want to control the population I don't have to keep them all. I just really want them to not keep breeding because yeah, because I had three last year and now I'm up to 10 and I'm just like, nope, y'all need to stop. Stop. Stop it. So anyways, yeah. Cats. Cats. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you can hear in the background my rooster's crowing. I have five roosters now and so. Five um... roosters. Not even chickens roosters yeah so two of them are mature and they crow and that's probably who we're hearing if you can hear it in the background right now um i don't think i can but the three teenagers starting yesterday are starting like they're hitting like puberty so they're like they have like they're trying to crow but it's super like cracky and it's so (laughs) funny to listen to (laughs) like it's full-blown like chicken puberty and it's so funny that's like hilarious. I I heard it yesterday and I like looked out the window I was like what was that noise like, did something like, die <laughs> pretty much and then like so I walked outside and I watched it do it and he turns his head all weird and I was like you're doing this wrong <laughs> like look at the others <laughs> like he's like I can't get it out <laughs> yeah he's he's oh my God, that's so but, funny but all these roosters are very very nice unlike no butts um, so far they're just waiting for them to get through puberty they won't be yeah i don't know they're they're all pretty good like they're pretty curious like no but's pretty early on let us know that he wasn't gonna be nice mm. despite like keeping him like alive chicken dinner at some point we've talked about that too but like all of them have names so it's like we can't we can't <laughs> do that Aww, like we, yeah we, we very much have enough chickens to start like using them for meat and um i'm sorry for anybody who's like against that but uh we but like i said they all have names and we would want to like hire somebody to do it for us like take the chickens in and then like we're not really a part of it kind of thing Uh, yeah and like um because right now i have 31 chickens holy moly that's a lot of chickens a lot of chickens (laughs) a lot of eggs yeah, but right now I'm only getting like 15 to 18 eggs a day. Only? only. <laughs> what are you doing with that many eggs? <laughs> We've been feeding them to the dogs pretty religiously lately. Because ah. I got up I got up to like, I had, I think, 25 dozen in my fridge. And I was like, dude, we got to do something. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's so many eggs. So each dog gets two eggs a day. And, you know, that's 20 eggs yeah. a day. Yeah. Well, no, that's not true because the little dogs all share a food bowl and they only get one egg because they get diarrhea. Um, so 16 eggs a day. That's intense, dude. 
Yeah. I'm using them as fast as I'm getting them. Yeah. Wow. Dang. I wish I could say that about my kittens. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Nobody wants them. I'm like, take them from me. (laughs) Well, yeah. Like I I just like give eggs to everybody. So I let Bailey have a sleepover last night, a friend I've never met from school. So she comes over and like her mom comes to pick her up this morning. And I was like, Hey, here's a parting gift. Here's some eggs. And she's like, okay, we love farm crushed eggs, but like, why? And I was like, I have a lot. I was like, so please take some. (laughs) You're like, do you want any more? I gave her two dozen. Oh, and, nice. <laughs> and like when my dad comes, I usually give him, I gave him three dozen when he left. Do you like, do you have any way of like potentially selling them? I do, but like, like Facebook market's really weird about like selling food on there. And so mm. like, there's this little like store down the street that like he told us that we could kind of sell our eggs. But like, again, food's a little weird. So it's yeah. Like, I haven't looked into it too much right now. I give two dozen like every other week to my neighbor and we feed them to the dogs and I just give them to whoever comes by the house. I'm just like, here you go. Yeah. I mean, cause I know like, well, and I guess maybe cause it's not, we don't have as many farm areas near us. Like, I just know people who will be like, if you want to purchase eggs from me, it's like, I don't know. So don't my know, neighbor, like my neighbor, 10. who's like, on the end of the street like on the busy road um she was like you can put a sign in my yard and just say like eggs for sale like people do that all the time around here right so literally that's literally just a matter of me doing it and I just haven't mm. so but th- I have seen signs around like this area of like just in someone's front yard saying eggs for sale so yeah I was gonna say I definitely have seen that driving around places mm-hmm. you know that's that text gotta figure out how to make some extra money no kidding (laughs) (laughs) all the money from like (laughs) the chicken eggs goes to like the animal like farm like we've talked about that oh (laughs) trust me we've already done the math we're like we could sell each dozen for four to five dollars a dozen and if we just sold you know five dozen a month which is not a lot compared to what we get that would literally pay for all the chicken food and so we're like Oh, and then wow. so if we sold 10 dozen then it would pay for the chicken and the goat food and so we're oh, like, see this is smart this is like farm life for you yeah so you know you know there's listeners that are like yeah i do that all the time somebody's gonna be like jordan let me talk to you yeah <laughs> she'll take yeah. it i'll take any advice when it comes to trying to get rid of some of my eggs seriously like I have I have three dozen right now sitting on the counter for the dogs um which will go through probably this week and then um, it's a good thing you don't have dogs that have chicken allergies just saying knock on wood uh oh sorry <laughs> and then what I got like 10 11 12 dozen in the fridge right now wow yeah crazy I know my mom texted me this morning. She's like, how long did they last? I was like about two months. So. Yeah. And I think you can, I think there's ways to actually get them to last longer. I just, I'm not that smart, but I've seen it. So I figured if, if we can use them all within two months, like it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, housekeeping stuff. Cause you know, people probably don't want to listen to us talking about all of our chicken animal issues (laughs) although some people like it so there so this this month november 2022 uh if you're part of the membership the internal medicine for vet techs membership 
Uh, we are talking about gallbladder disease on Saturday, November 12th. And that you just need to sign up. It's through Zoom. If you're in the membership, it's free. If you are not in the membership, you can still uh, check it out. So you can go to internalmedicineforvettechs.com uh, and there is a link for it. You can join the newsletter and we usually send out some information to, to make sure everybody gets signed up if they want to. Uh, if you, for December, we're looking at December 10th. And then that is going to be um, in our Upping Our Tech game series. It's going to be increasing career satisfaction. Uh, that is, that's one of those things, you know, if you're, you're looking long-term, like what can we do to feel better about our jobs and love it? Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. A little refresh maybe for some people and for some that are newer in the field, like what are some options? So yeah, it should be a cool one. Uh, anything else we need to talk about before we jump into this week's episode? No, I think I think we're good. All right, cool. So this week we are going to talk about iris staging. So I R I S staging, which stands for International Renal Interest Society. Jordan, you've used, you've used the iris scaling or staging at your clinic, right? Yeah. Do I remember because it was over a year ago? No, <laughs> no. And I always had to like, look at the paper, even if I did, but so the iris staging, it's really interesting because it was created, um, in 1998, which is kind of interesting. So they first kind of talked about it at the European society of veterinary internal medicine. Um, and then it, it's you know, kind of made its way over to the U S and so there is a website for Iris and, um, we'll definitely, we'll definitely put it in the show notes, but it's, uh, iris-kidney.com. Um, and you can find, they, they have some really cool like infographics. They have, you know, just can continue education and, and there's a lot of really cool stuff about it. So, um, it's, it's definitely one of those, those things to check out. It, when we did our application and stuff like that, we had to know the iris mm -hmm. staging, right? Yes. Okay. I think that's, I don't know if that was where I first learned about it was when I was reviewing stuff, but I know it wasn't something we super frequently did. Like we'll talk about iris staging, but you know, it's, it, I don't think we use it for every single patient and it's probably one of those things where it'd be a good thing to have mm -hmm. like in the medical chart. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, because it helps you keep track of like where pets are at. It's, it is really like ideal to do. It's just a matter of like being familiar with it and doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, so what the iris staging is, is for chronic kidney disease in dogs and cats. And it's basically a way to help clinicians and pet owners, uh, kind of track how their patient, how their pet is doing. Um, the nice thing is, is it's, it's a scale of one to four and you can, the pets can move up and down that scale, just depending on how well they're doing with their kidney disease. Um, and so it, it just, it really is kind of nice, um, 
it's a nice way to, to, to really keep track of that. One of the things that was recently added was the SDMA, which is from IDEX. And it's, I, I love that this actually has the, what SDMA stands for. Yeah. Right? So it's symmetric dimethyl arginine. So probably easier to just say SDMA. <laughs> just a little um, bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but kind of what the SDMA does is it looks at your glomerular filtration rate um, and kind of helps. Well, sorry, it, it takes place of your GFR and it's, it's a way to kind of see, you know, what, what is happening in the body? Like how, how are the kidneys processing things? Um, and I think we talked about the SDMA in our kidney series at some point. Almost definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely for kidney stuff, go back to those episodes, but the, the SDMA was incredible included in part of the staging process and there's and we'll talk about the different things that are used but just wanted to kind of talk about iris in general part okay so when we're talking about ckd in general so there's a couple of factors that that play into this so when we're talking about function and structure so what is our gfr glomerular Glomer- yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. I said it fine the first time. <laughs> you did. You're glomerular. losing. Glomerular. There we go. So GFR, so our glomerular filtration rate. So this talks about um, azotemia that we're seeing, um, increases in serum creatinine or SDMA. Um, and so that is, you know, what are what are we seeing with that? Are we also seeing some abnormalities in renal function in general? So like, are we seeing protein in our urine? Also other abnormalities in renal function. So unable for the urine to be concentrated. So we have inappropriate urine specific gravity. So, you know, in cats, if we, let's see, I gotta, I'm going to make sure I do this right. So in the absence of azotemia, Urine-specific gravity below 1.035 in a cat can indicate some renal abnormality, which to me is kind of crazy. In dogs, it's below zero point, or excuse me, 1.030. But in dogs, urine-specific gravity of less than 1.030, it's not uncommon for them to have that with normal renal function. But it could indicate some early renal dysfunction. So with cats, 1.035 and below is considered abnormal. Dogs, because dogs drink water and do all sorts of stuff to mess with their, their, you know, urine concentration more than cats do because cats don't just like chug water unless there's stuff going on, but um, and then the other part of that is like inappropriate loss of potassium, bicarb, glucose, or amino acids, um, other abnormalities in structure. So renal cysts, uroliths, neoplasia. So all of these kind of abnormalities in the kidneys or kidney function can lead to kind of your CKD. Um, and CKD, you know, being able to preserve what's left of the kidneys is 
is one of the big reasons why we monitor really closely. So when they came up with the iris staging, they really, it's really in depth. <laughs> um, the way that they selected dogs and cats to be staged to kind of figure this out. I mean, they looked at a lot of different criteria. And so if you want to dive into this deeply on like how they figured this out, definitely go to their website because they, they talk about it, the different staging. And it, part of it is like creatinine and SDMA and like, you know, what are they eating and what are they doing? And so there's just a lot, a lot of stuff. So there, when we're talking about the different stages, there's four stages. The first two stages are kind of, um, they represent kidneys that have had some damage to them. And so the kidney tissue, there's a large portion of the kidneys that have been damaged. Um, and this could be before we even see a rise in creatinine con concentration in our bloods or increase, or excuse me, reductions in GFR. Um, and this is where SDMA really came into play because you could see changes in the SDMA before we see changes with our other lab work. And so this is kind of our like stage one and stage two patients. You know, they could have inadequate urine concentration. They can have persistent renal proteinuria. They could have abnormal shapes or sizes to their kidneys, either by palpation or ultrasound or x-rays. They could have abnormal kidney biopsies, or we can see some increasing creatinine and SDMA concentrations, even if they're within that reference range on a adequately hydrated patient. So non dehydrated, because if we're not properly hydrated, that throws things off. Right. So that's kind of your stage one is we don't see significant blood changes, but we know that these, these kidneys have already taken a hit. And so we're going to ideally do things to prevent them from getting worse. All right. So stage two is we're still within our reference range for creatinine, but our SDMA now is greater than 17 micrograms per deciliter. Um, so we're starting to creep up. Uh, and so these are stage two, but we're still not seeing some of those other big changes. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to, you know, again, try to keep them from going to three and four. All right. So stage three Stage three is now we're starting to see creatinine creeping above normal. Um, and this is a creatinine up to five micrograms. And this is for both dog and cats. Once we get above five, that's considered stage four and that's severe azotemia. SDMA for a stage three is going to be 36 to 54 for dogs. For cats, it's 26 to 38. So that's stage three. Stage four is our SCMA is now greater than 54 and our for dogs. And then for cats, it's greater than 38. So stage four, I mean, these patients are definitely in hospital, right? We've got a creatinine above five. Our SCMAs are really high. So these are the patients that are in hospital. Stage three, they could be in hospital, especially if it's like an acute on chronic thing, or they could be, you know, managed outpatient. So these are that's our creatinine SDMA. The other part that they kind of stage these patients are, or they call it a substage, 
is the UPC ratio. So non-proteinuric is below 0.2. Borderline is 0.2 to 0.5 in dogs. For cats, it's 0.2 to 0.4. And then proteinuric is greater than 0.5 in dogs and greater than 0.4 in cats. So this is like, you know, we've got a stage one, two, three, or four. We've got a UPC ratio. So it's like a substage based on protein. And then the other part of that is blood pressure. So, you know, this is really important. We all know monitoring blood pressure in our kidney patients is really important because that affects the kidney function. So normotensive is less than 140. Prehypertensive, 140 to 159. Hypertensive, 160 to 179. And then severely hypertensive is greater than 180. Um, and so, you know, those kind of, if you're working in internal medicine, <laughs> those numbers sound very familiar because I know 180, I was like, Ooh, I was always scared by that one. <laughs> um, and it's one of those things too, like you have to know your patient, right? Like, especially cats, when they come in, you probably want them to be in a quiet room, you know, spend some time with the owner, just chilling so we can get an accurate blood pressure instead of the blood pressure where they're like, they just got out of the car and they're completely freaked out. Whatever you do, just do it consistently. So mark it in your record. All right. So we're going to diagnose our chronic kidney disease. We're going to stage it. The next part of that is treating. Um, so for treating chronic kidney disease, iris guidelines, right? That's kind of what we're talking about. Treating our patients. I think a stage one kidney patient this is where we're going to probably have the most impact because if we can keep them at the lower stages for longer, the better it will be for, for long-term for these patients. So stage one, we're going to be very careful and cautious when using nephrotoxic drugs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, anything that excretes through the kidneys, we just want to be, want to be very careful. For example, uh, my mom, I think is in stage one. And so they're, they like, don't want her to use a ton of NSAIDs because, that gets excreted through the kidneys. So they're, they kind of freak out about some drugs and I'm like, like, it's okay. Every once in a while it's okay. Just, you know, be careful. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the other thing is going to be correcting any pre-renal or post-renal abnormalities. So if there's infections, I think that's the biggest one is like infections, blockages. You always want to make sure these patients have plenty of fresh water uh, available you're going to monitor your creatinine, your SDMA, um, and really just kind of monitor to make sure we're not creeping into the other stages. Uh, investigate and treat any underlying disease or complications. So for example, you know, if you've got a patient with, with high blood pressure, right, we're going to treat that so we don't cause more damage to the kidneys, which is funny because that's the next one. So <laughs> treat with hypertension. Uh, make sure that we're, you know, if it is persistently above 160, that we're treating it um, so we don't have issues. The other thing is, is if there's evidence of end organ damage. So commonly what we'll see in these, I think of cats more so than dogs. I don't know. I guess dogs get hypertension sometimes. Yeah. But I feel like most of them were our cat patients. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Cause they're all like stressed out and freaked out. Like if a dog has hypertension, there's usually a different reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But for these guys, what we'll see like on ultrasound is you'll see the infarctions in the kidney. Um, and that's really common to see with like patients with high blood pressure, um, because they'll just get these little like 
spots in the kidneys that just the blood flow got cut off because it was too high and you get these little indents which are super fun uh the other thing is is if we have proteinuria in you know persistent proteinuria we could try a renal therapeutic diet and some medications um so this again this is those patients with a upc dogs greater than 0.5 cats 0.4 and then we want to make sure we keep our phosphorus below 4.6 milligrams per deciliter. Um, so like, a, you know, using a phosphorus binder if we need to. And then, you know, therapeutic diets plus a phosphate binder if it's required for these patients to keep them in those early stages. And uh, I don't know about you, but I know that some of my clients are like, well, the kidney disease isn't that bad. Why do I need a kidney diet? And it's like, yep. Well, <laughs> you have a couple of options, right? Like your kidneys, their kidneys already took a whack, whatever, whatever it was, there was already some kidney damage. Kidneys notoriously don't show signs of having issues until a lot of the kidneys have been damaged. So preventing further damage is going to be huge. And I don't know, I've seen some patients do amazing on just a renal diet. Oh, for sure. Especially when <laughs> that's the thing, right? Is like clients trying to be consistent about it and not giving temptations with it and not giving yeah. <laughs> chicken or cheese and stuff like to entice them to eat. So yeah. Cause protein is going to be one of the biggest issues with these cats mm -hmm. and dogs. It's mostly cats, <laughs> mostly, cats. Most, mostly cats, but yeah, for dogs too. And I think that's one of the things that clients just have to be aware of is, is, you know, if you can, I think we talked about this in the, in the renal and our kidney series, Yeah, you know, it's the did. food is like trying to entice them with a renal diet. Maybe it's a different brand mm -hmm. is, is better than doing no like renal diet. no renal diet or chunks of chicken or chunks of tuna or chunks of whatever. Um, or adding because, chicken broth to it or adding <laughs> to yeah, juice to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you know, I, it well, first of all, it it totally negates <laughs> the therapeutic diet. It, like, okay, you just threw money down the drain. You paid extra for the diet, but you know, it it makes things worse long term. So just you know, trying to trying to use the diets, and I and I will cycle through the diets with these kidney patients. You know, I I might my cat loved one particular brand and one formulation. And then felt kind of crummy. And so we went to the next formulation and then kind of felt kind of crummy. We went to the next formulation, felt crummy. And I went back to the first one and he was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And I'm like, I know you used to like it. Um, Cause cats will get food aversion. If they start feeling crummy, they'll start associating the food with feeling bad. So if you get them to forget that they didn't like it, <laughs> they'll go back mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. In stage two, we'll do all the same things for stage one, but we're definitely going to recommend the renal diets. And then we also are going to probably have to treat some hypokalemia in cats, mm -hmm. which that's always fun. But uh, I feel like stage two is never overly significant. <laughs> like, no. And these guys can live in stage one and two for years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, which is good. We like them in, in the lower stages, like have fun. Um, and hypokalemia, you know, these are like, I think of Tummel K or the potassium gluconate, the giant 
the giant pills or the the gel the gel yeah Mm -hmm. so stage three and four obviously we're gonna do the same as stage one and two right so (laughs) but stage three specifically we're going to really focus on keeping an eye on that phosphorus level. We really want to make sure that we keep the phosphorus level below five milligrams per deciliter. And then we're going to monitor and treat any metabolic acidosis that might arise. This is the time where we're going to start considering, all right, I should go back and preface that this is where we're doing more blood work (laughs) and we're we're monitoring these patients a little bit more frequently because things like the phosphorus level and acidosis all start to arise around this time. Same thing for treatment for anemia. We're going to consider that uh, with things like darbopoietin. And then this is where pets do start to feel a little bit more crummy. So we're going to treat more of those symptomatic signs as well. So treating vomiting and inappetence. We're going to likely increase how much fluid these pets get so whether that be just increasing the water intake by mixing it in with the food or starting with subcutaneous fluids and then in dogs specifically this is the time frame that we're going to also consider starting calcitriol Mm. just to help with those levels and then stage four is all the same as stage one two and three Yeah. Except for this area, we're going to try to keep that phosphorus level below six milligrams per deciliter instead of five. And then this too, our patients are really feeling crummy. A lot of them are going to have severe inappetence and nausea. So we're going to consider feeding tubes for nutritional support and hydration and ease of medication. So this is stage four is end stage. It's the last stage. So um, this is where we're just going to do our best to keep pets comfortable and keep them doing well until they're just until yeah i mean and i mean if you can have patients be in stage three or four and drop back down to stage two you're probably never really going to get back down to stage one but you can drop back a stage sometimes too depending on like I think of like our acute on chronic patients, you know, there's some insult, whether that's an infection or something like that. Like once we create, correct that thing, then we can drop back down. And so, you know, the feeding tubes and hydration and nutrition and stuff like that, that is something, especially if they've had like an insult with an infection or something like that. Right. And we can get them through it and hopefully get them, you know, feeling better and get them home. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, the goal would be to just get pets like maintaining in stage three for a while, like is a thing. Like, it's oh, yeah. not, like this is I was what we say, think I think with my cat, I was able to maintain stage three for like over a year, yeah, definitely I- over a year. I feel like when we think of renal disease, we really are thinking of those pets in stage two and three. Mm -hmm. Like we're really Mm -hmm. thinking of those pets that we're just maintaining at home and maybe they have occasional vomiting or occasional inappetence. They're having those bad day, good day, good day, good day, good day, bad day, good day, you know? And so Mm -hmm. that's what I think of stage four. I agree with you. It's more of like acute on chronic where we can get them back down to stage two or three with just supportive care and then trying to allow those kidneys time to heal. Yeah. Yeah. Heal is not the right word. Recover. No. I like recover. 
adjust. Adjust. Yeah. Adjust and recover because sometimes there's just inflammation Mm -hmm. and getting that inflammation infection to calm down. And then, (laughs) cause the body, the body does amazing, amazing with compensation. Um, and so it can't regenerate like the liver can though. No, that is true. (laughs) (laughs) But some of them can get transplants. Kidneys are like cats, though. You know, like they hide that they're sick until it's like near the end. You're like, ah, stop. So is so is the is the SDMA like the kitty whisperer? Yeah. Oh, okay. The SDMA is like the male version of like you know the flu. Like it's just like <laughs> nice. It's like I'm gonna be like, oh no, oh, God, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. Sorry if there's guys listening to this and feeling offended by that. Not every man is like that. My husband is not like that. My husband's like a cat. If he tells me he doesn't feel well, I'm worried he's dying. (laughs) (laughs) My husband is not like a cat. My husband (laughs) is like a dog. It's like, oh God. They're like, what happened? And it's like, I got a paper cut. (laughs) There's a splinter. I'm going to limp all day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) the cat looked at me funny (laughs) um but Uh, i i think for iris staging i mean go to the website they have some really nice handouts very easy to follow handouts yeah yep and like they've got stuff for there's actually iris grading for acute kidney injury versus the chronic kidney injury so just take a look at those things and see and and really you know, kidney kidneys are amazing. <laughs> I think they're they're one of our bread and butter organs in internal medicine. Mm-hmm. So uh definitely get to know them, understand, you know, why the doctors are adjusting medications and and all that stuff. And then talking to the clients, because clients, you know, this is it's weird because it's not something they can see with their pet, but it makes such a huge difference when we can get them feeling better. So oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Iris staging. <laughs> right. Anything else you can think of with Iris staging that we need to touch on? I don't think so. The big lab works that we're going to do is, you know, BUN creatinine, proteinuria, uh, check for infection. So a culture, urine culture, UPCs, pack cell volumes, because we want to make sure that they're not getting anemic. Oh, yeah. And the SDMA. <laughs> Forgot about the SDMA. That's a good one. And electrolytes. Yes. And electrolytes. See all the things. All, all the, the things. Chem. All the things. <laughs> it's a full comprehensive chem, CBC, and lights. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. Anyway. Anyway. Plus minus culture. <laughs> it's the tip of the week. Um, so tip of the week is, you know, depending on where they're at and stages, talk to the owners about how frequent the lab work needs to be, because that's going to be really what determines, that's going to be what determines the, the medications and like, you know, to be, cause there's a lot of them, there's adjustments, right? So sub-Q fluids, we can adjust how frequent, how much the potassium, uh, supplementation we can, we can, you know, adjust that jarbopoietin, we can adjust it. So this is, this is one of those diseases where there is a lot of adjusting based on the lab work. So just, you know, talking to the client, making sure they understand how frequent they need to come in 
Um, that's going to be the tip of the week. And now for the question of the week. Who all monitors iris staging and puts it in the record and keeps you know owners and clients and stuff up to date on like where are their pet falls that is a really good one yeah I, I mean, who's consistent about it and like yeah not just like the one-time deal but like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bet yeah, i mean i'm a hundred percent sure like my practice wasn't consistent about it like you weren't super consistent either which is but, crazy because looking at this i'm like Man, I know, I know a lot of practices are definitely very consistent about it. It's just their thing. And like, yeah, it, it should be everybody's thing. And it's, yeah, you know, maybe that is something you can implement in your clinic. Yeah. That's a good way to look at that. Cause honestly, like you could, you know, look at the guidelines and you could stage them and just be like, Hey doctor, is this correct? And then you can put it in the medical record. Like they don't yep. have to do it. Oh, absolutely. That is... With them that this is the stage and this is the substage. And then as long as they're good with it, you can write it in the medical record and you can keep track of it. Oh, There's absolutely. Absolutely. Better tech utilization. Yeah. Ooh. I love finding ways to utilize text more. Maybe that is another tip, tip of the week as well. How to, how to utilize technicians with some iris staging. I like yeah. it. So definitely check out the Iris uh, website. So again, iris-renal.com. We'll put it in the show notes, but that's definitely something to kind of keep keep an eye on. Sounds good. Anything else for now? <laughs> no, but the holidays are coming up just a heads up people. So uh, while we will put out episodes, we always take a two week break during Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> we always think we're not going to, but we, we always do. So <laughs> we very yes. much always do. May, may as well start prefacing it with it now. So we don't freak out and go, well, fine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So I would say Christmas week, New Year's week, we're, we're probably not putting anything out because Jordan's got kids. Yep. We all have families. Nobody wants to listen to us during the holidays anyways. And if you do, there's plenty of episodes in the back that you can either re-listen to or listen to for the first time. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. We'll have a wonderful week. If we see you in our monthly CE, that'd be awesome. Love anybody joining us. Let us know if you have any specific topics that you'd like us to talk about. Um, some of them can be on podcasts. I've gotten a couple of like responses from people, but it seems like some of it needs to be visual, <laughs> which doesn't work for podcast episodes, but that might be a good CE that we do for a monthly CE. So, all right, guys, well, you guys have a wonderful week. Keep getting your learn on and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.